Alright, what is up you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host Derek. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, On today's episode, we've got quite a few random ass topics, in all honesty, but then again, I think that's kind of what this what this podcast is, right? Um, so starting off, I wanted to cover uh, Get Out fan theories. Um, a couple in specific, because I recently watched a YouTube video. I believe it was posted by Vanity Fair, I think. Um, and it was of Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out. Um, and one half of the Key and Peele comedy duo. Um, it was him reading fan theories, I believe from Reddit. And uh, it was just fascinating to see him give his take on people's fan theories and just kind of confirm some and, and deny others or, or just, you know, kind of prove them to be people overthinking rather. Um so I just wanted to briefly run through them and kind of give thoughts, uh, my thoughts on them. Um, and hopefully, you know, kind of in hopes that if you guys have seen it and maybe you knew about the theories, that it encourages you to go back and watch it again, just because it's an insanely, it has insane depth in detail. And these uh, theories really show that. Um, but or if you guys have seen it and you didn't know some of these uh, fan theories, Maybe it'll encourage you to go back and check it out and just show you that, like, yeah, you can watch this movie multiple fucking times and it's going to be just as great, if not, you know, if not bring more value each time you watch it. Um, And then lastly, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, first off, what the fuck are you doing? But um, no, there are going to be spoilers. So if you haven't seen it, uh, please do so. But there will be spoilers. So go ahead and skip ahead if that is the case. Um, but with that warning, let's get into it. So the first theory was, and I don't have the usernames here, um, but the first theory was that the entire movie was a drastically imagined scenario from Rod, the TSA agent. Um, and the person made mention of that is why the storyline seems to get so outrageous and bizarre and also why he is the hero in the end um i thought this theory was interesting and uh and jordan peele shot it down you know he said that although you know it it wasn't it didn't hold weight um that all the fucked up shit really happened so um and I, i was thinking about this theory and it's kind of fun in concept you know just for the whole experience, this insanely well thought out storyline with, with insane depth and just, you know, uh, just like a suspenseful ass storyline to be just all this scenario in this dude's head. Uh, that's kind of funny, but I was also thinking on it and when directors or just storytellers in general implement that, you know, that last minute plot twist, like, Oh, this was all a dream it's kind of a a cop-out, right? I think that would have been insanely, you know, it's it's so easy to do and uh, and cheap, I guess. I don't know, but it would have been funny, I, I think. <laughs> but, um, all right, now the next theory is the ground the groundskeeper's greeting guests, or I guess it's more of a detail. Um, so the groundskeeper's greeting guests, when they all arrive for that party, um, and it, it's typically unnatural for groundskeepers to greet guests as they're getting out of their car in the way that they were, you know, in a, in the formal way that they were. Um, and it was a subtle or not so subtle hint at, at the plot twist, right? Because in retrospect, you're like, oh yeah, that makes perfect fucking sense. That's the grandparents, you know, not the groundskeepers, not the African-American groundskeepers, but the elders in the white family um but I just thought that was interesting it made sense in retrospect but what was more fascinating to me was the detail of all of the guests arriving in black vehicles 
you know, that being a, a subtle call to essentially what they're doing, looking for black hosts to carry them, you know, uh, or carry their mind, I guess. Um, and it just was a clear representation of the subtle genius, you know, that I feel like adds this insane depth, uh, to Jordan's movie throughout. Um, and definitely a detail that I didn't catch in, in the, uh, when I initially watched it. I've only seen it one time, mind you. Uh, I think that's going to change soon, though. Um, and then the third theory was, this one was just kind of funny. Uh, this person's theory was Jeremy, the brother, playing the, so he, if you guys remember, then it's a night scene, and Jeremy, the brother, is playing the ukulele in an ominous like slow fashion on the porch as they're walking up um and so this person's theory was that Jeremy was playing the gig from Violina Paratita number two played in G minor by Bach okay and he was playing it on the ukulele and uh, this person made mention that uh, it was being played much slower than, I guess, the the music, the natural musical piece. And some would say that is inferior to the typical play style of the piece. And also it being played on a ukulele when I believe they mentioned it was typically played on a violin. So that also being inferior and uh i mean just so insanely insanely well thought out um and then they also mentioned the abrupt end of jeremy's playing as chris walked by uh was an indication to chris that the gig or jig was up and um jordan completely shot this down what what's funny okay so it's funny in in right now reading it right but if jordan wouldn't have given context i might have legitimately believed that shit because it's like you know i mean it's it's foolish to just believe that shit and not look into the bach piece that this person is referencing or whatever right but just with the insane depth of detail already in this film i i wouldn't have not believed it and uh but it was hilarious because Jordan completely shoots it down and says that it's amazing what weed will do, uh, or what weed can do rather, uh, cause he mentioned after reading this, after reading this fan theory, he mentioned that he told Caleb, the actor who plays Jeremy, the brother, uh, to literally play anything. And he said, by no means does he know the gig and he's definitely not playing Bach on that bitch. So it, it's just, it's, it's funny. This was a representation to me of how when you have a perceived depth in any art form, really, um, you know that the writer or the director or, or the story is just written with such attention to detail that no detail is there for any reason for just no reason right it all serves a purpose it's all a message um it's fascinating where people's imagination will go i think it's it's not only hilarious but it's awesome because uh i love art that challenges the viewer or listener to think with such depth you know a good example of this was um kendrick's damn album so I don't know if it was was it the track list that we first saw um there was a lot of people that were thinking that this was a two-part album if you guys aren't familiar I believe it was like people were believing that there's this is a two-part album um the first the first part being damn of course and then the second uh album being nation so damn nation as a whole kind of clever right and then um and then supposedly i believe the covers were supposed to be you know with him 
on the cover of Damn with him looking down and the red brick behind him. And then he had changed his, coincidentally, he had changed his uh, Spotify artist profile to him standing there with a blue brick wall behind him. And so everyone was assuming that this, you know, it was kind of a play on the blood and crip relation that that Kendrick often plays to, especially uh, most notably seen rather in his Reebok collaborations where he had the blue and the red one, you know, one shoe had blue details and then the the other shoe had red details, just kind of symbolizing with an overall symbolization of unity. And so, and it was supposed to, the Damnation title was supposed to allude to Kendrick dies at the end of the album, and then he was supposed to be, he was supposed to be reborn in the beginning of Nation, and it was just so insanely well thought out, and admittedly, I believe that shit, um, you bet, yeah, you can best believe that when Damn came out, I, uh, I think the night that Damn came out, I posted, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Facebook, but, um, I had posted Nation in all caps, I mean, I was so fucking hyped, bro, but, um, you know, and in retrospect, obviously, it's hilarious, it's like, what the fuck were you even thinking, but if that would have happened, like, you know how well thought out that would be, and it's similar to, uh, this, this fan theory, it's so insanely well thought out that it just shows, like, um, I don't know, people's imagination and their creativity when, when great art is placed in front of them, so although it is funny, I think it's equally amazing, um, so that's kind of why I wanted to include that fan theory, um, and then let's see, what's the next fan theory, um, oh, this one, I guess, is more, more obvious, but, um, Chris had watched the deer struggle and ultimately die in the beginning of the film, and now, uh, in the end, in, in one of the end scenes, when Chris is in the room, tied to the chair uh the the buck on the wall is watching him struggle but he ultimately lives um so there's just kind of that contrast and Jordan mentioned that there are a lot of ways that you can interpret the deer because he said there are a lot of interpretations of it and just meanings to it I guess and one of those that I was not aware at all of or didn't think at all of was um uh, Chris killing Dean, the, you know, the head of the family, or the patriarch of the family, with the buckhead, you know, that, that typically being the leader of the pack, right, um, so I don't know, I just thought that was a cool, uh, like, it was just something that I hadn't caught at all, and it, and it does seem pretty obvious now in retrospect, but I just love all these fucking little details. This, I mean, Jordan's directing and writing is just so fucking amazing. Um, and then also one that may be more obvious, uh, the theory that the parents are bothered by Chris's smoking because they needed perfect vessels. So they didn't want the bodies to be tainted by the effects of, you know, nicotine and smoking. Um, that one's kind of obvious, again, in retrospect, but all of these seem obvious in retrospect, because we're not used to, or at least I for sure am not used to watching movies in such detail, you know, it's just kind of like, you assume that little details like that are just kind of because, well, not like that in specific, but little other minor details, like all the black cars, you would typically be like, oh uh, yeah, just, that was just for, um, more so the the visuals right but there's actual reason oh and that was another thing that I don't think they mentioned um in these fan theories but one that I had heard previously and I looked up scenes from the movie um or no it was actually in a YouTube video recapping the subtle you know all of the subtle details in the get out film um, and that detail was, um, the, at the party as well, all of the family members 
wearing, uh, they, they had, whether it be a tie or I believe it's called a lapel, right? That sits in the, the suit jacket pocket. Um, but they all had subtle red, you know, details to their outfit or to their wardrobe. And, um, and Chris was the only one wearing, I believe he was like wearing a denim shirt. And of course that being blue. And so I guess it was kind of also a symbol of the Republican party and the democratic party. Um, so I don't know, just dope ass little details and it may seem obvious in retrospect, but, uh, I don't know. Just, I'm fucking amazed. (laughs) I'm fucking amazed by this movie. Um, all right. What was the next one? Oh, this was pretty interesting. So the fan theory was a popular one. I believe I'd heard this one quite a few times now. Um, it was the end towards the end where Rose is sitting on the bed and she has her milk and her, it's like Fruit Loops, I'm pretty sure. Um, she has a, a cup of milk and then Fruit Loops in the bowl next to it. And she's eating the Fruit Loops just one at a time and keeping them separate from the milk, which is, you know, white. And so it's kind of, I'd heard the theory that it was separating coloreds and white, right? Um, but I guess that was... I think it stood out just because it was somewhat jarring or or not even jarring, but it was just random, right? And so that was something that a lot of people picked up on and they assumed, me included, that, okay, they're separating the white from the colors. That's that's their mentality. Um, Jordan went into detail mentioning that although it's, you know, he, he said that if you apply that, that logic to what the family is doing that's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily make sense because they're trying to mix right so they're trying to have black hosts and you know they're trying to you know extend their life by taking the black host um so it was it it was easy to assume that but uh he mentioned that it was actually just a detail to uh show like what a psycho sick bitch she is and um and i guess that did its part as well because who the fuck eats their cereal like that right with milk on the side like what the fuck um but yeah so that was one i'd heard often and he debunked so the next theory was rose telling chris in the beginning uh when speaking on her dad, I, she had a quote that was something along the lines of, come on, he won't chase you out of the house with a shotgun, right? And it was just, I guess, ironic that in the end, she's the one chasing him off the lawn, um, but not with a shotgun. It was actually a rifle. And Jordan mentioned that he didn't want the line to be, he won't chase you off of the, or out of the house with a rifle, because no one says that. You know, I've heard the shotgun before. You guys have likely heard the shotgun reference before, you know, but, um, so it was just fitting and it was just ironic, I guess. Um, the next one was a very subtle detail and it was when Rod is outside the airport trying to get a hold of Chris, uh, the announcement is made over the intercom for flight 237. I don't know if it was boarding or something, but it's clearly flight 237 and I thought nothing of it because I'm not well versed in in uh, that number being a infamous number in films, um, specifically the Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick, The Shining. Um, it's most notably, I guess it's in many movies, but it originated in uh, The Shining being the most haunted room. So that was just a a awesome little detail that it's it's kind of uh and and jordan made mention of it being so simple you know it's just someone paging over the intercom in the background right and then you get credit for it but i think it's exactly those little details that give the film such depth it is such a simple little thing but it gives this film a life that 
they, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to me. I understand how he thinks it's such an easy detail to add, but, um, it, it just, it, all these little details cater so much to the film's life and its replayability. And I, I think it's just, it's fucking awesome, man. Um, all right. The next one was just kind of interesting. It was Jordan mentioning that he did, uh, he was so he was in the film twice or his voice was so he was in the first scene or or his first scene rather he was the the dying deer <laughs> funny enough right he was just he was the the dying deer the noise that it made and then he was also on a tv commercial when chris was watching the television it was him saying the united negro college fund a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Um, I just thought it was smart and I guess somewhat fitting that it was Jordan um, giving that somewhat obvious hint. Uh, just awesome, man. Um, all right, we got a couple more here. Uh, of course, Chris picking cotton from the chair at the end. And putting them in his, the placing the cotton in his ears so that he would not be hypnotized, or brain, or yeah, I guess hypnotized, right? Um, it's just the irony that he picked cotton to free himself. Um, that one I did catch the first time, and that was obviously even in that in that context, you know, even in watching it the first time and realizing that shit was fucking awesome. Um, the next, the next fan theory was, um, oh, I didn't catch this one at all, it was in the, in the beginning when, actually this, okay, so here's the fan theory, um, in the beginning when Dean was giving Chris a tour of the house, um, when walking past the basement, he made mention that they had to seal it up due to black mold they had in the, you know, down there in the basement. Um, this person's theory, they related that to, you know, black mold also meaning the hollow shells for the white people to, to take control of. Um, and again, well, this was a fascinating one because Jordan, you know, he, he jokingly said that, you know, he meant that. And that's exactly what he meant by it. Um, but it was just fans overthinking and, you know, just, I don't know, the, the nature of this film forcing you to think about every little fucking detail. I love it. And so that actually was not initially what he meant, but someone added that context and it applies and it's clever, you know, um, all right, so next is, oh, when Rose stood up to the cop, the racist cop, um, in the beginning, when, when he needed to see Chris's ID, uh, that was actually to eliminate any possible paper trail um, from Rose and Chris being associated when he would go missing if their plan went, you know, if everything went according to plan. Um, I thought that was fascinating. You know, I, I didn't think about it in that way at all. And Jordan, right after reading this fan theory, you know, he, he agrees that or admits to this being true and holding true. But um, he he wants he mentions that he wants everyone to go back and rewatch the movie and pay close attention to Rose and her actions and her words because they take on an entire new meaning. And uh, I mean, it's just fucking fascinating, man so dope um the next one i'm not familiar with the being john malkovich movie um but from what they made mention of in the theory the mother the actress who plays the mother um rose's mother she was in that movie in in being john malkovich and i guess it was they they made mention of you know, there was some crazy woman and they thought that that was the way that that links to get out is that they mentioned that the, the surgery was not always successful. So they were 
alluding to that woman being crazy, obviously being a white woman because the brain transplant didn't go fully as planned. Um, I thought that was interesting, even though I don't know of the movie. Um, so maybe if you guys do know of the being John Malkovich movie that holds weight, I recommend you guys go and check out this video regardless. Um, the, the Vanity Fair video, but, uh, just cause it's so fascinating. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Even not knowing of the being John Malkovich movie. Um, all right. Next was somewhat obvious in retrospect again, but all of the uh, groundskeepers that are post-op, they wear hats and and wigs. The, the woman wears a wig or a weave to cover up her uh, scars. And as with the, the male housekeepers or groundskeepers, excuse me, they wear hats. And, you know, kind of obvious, I guess, now in retrospect. But another dope detail. Um, and then... Oh, I thought it was important to mention that uh, Jordan ends the interview saying that he's excited and surprised that people caught all of this stuff, all of these little details so quickly, and it only inspires him to do more. Um, so I fucking love that. I love the way he ended it. I love that, you know, obviously he's going to continue to direct and uh, put out amazing content, because who the fuck would have thought, man, like, I've seen Key and Peele's comedy, and I think it was, um, around the time that Get Out came out, that I went, and I was like, wait, that dude's directing, I, I knew of Key and Peele, but I had never, I, I wasn't familiar with any of their sketches, really, so that encouraged me to go out, go and check out all of their skits, uh, on YouTube, and admittedly, some of the comedy I don't care for, um, some of the skits were hilarious, but it's fascinating to think that that dude had this in his head the whole time, you know, or just how he can excel so well in some other area. I'm just so thankful that he got the chance and now he'll only continue to get more and more chances, right? With this film being, uh, so well received and, and receiving such, um, high praise and rightfully so man so if you guys haven't checked out get out please go do that um the film is fucking amazing uh all right now the next topic i think it's fascinating for uh the future of audio content or, or you know and podcasting and uh i guess yeah just audio content in general so Marvel recently announced a, what did they call it? A, um, it's essentially a audio, a audio story, a, um, okay, so here's the article. I'm going to read the, the first paragraph. Having conquered just about every other form of media, Marvel's getting into the scripted podcasting game. Uh, launching in spring of next year, Wolverine the Long Night marks the comics the comics turned multimedia company's first foray into the space. The series kicks off with a 10-episode season premiering on Stitcher's premium service, where it will be an exclusive until it makes its way to other platforms in the fall. Um, I just think it's fascinating. I know there are probably other... This is probably not a new... Uh, podcasting space or a genre um but it's something I was just made aware of with this announcement and I'm not even a big comic book guy um but I think it's fascinating and it includes later in the article that you know some of the voice talent I mean you know and uh and also that it's going to be a um there are going to be like audio it's going to be essentially hearing a, like a movie, I guess, in your ears, so it's like, I don't know, I mean, it's just fascinating to me, this is probably not news to you guys, maybe you guys already listen to podcasts that are like this, but, um, yeah, with little, you know, noise details in the back, and shit like that, I mean, I just love what it represents, what it represents for audio content going forward, and it's just fascinating to think, uh, audio content 
initially seemed like a step back in our consumption of content. Like it seemed like it would be a flash in the pan and it was just a fad, but it's proving to be a multitasking tool that is, you know, people use to, it's, it's content that they consume as they're doing, you know, whether it's at work or doing yard work or work around the house or whatever. Um, I do that exact thing. I throw on a podcast and get some shit done around the house, whatever, or at work, you know, so on and so forth. And, and it just, I don't know. It, it's fascinating to see this huge role, uh, this huge unexpected role that uh, audio media is taking in our society. Um, but I'm just excited. I'm excited to see where this takes the format. I feel I feel like it only widens the possibilities, and uh, I love that such a big player like Marvel is getting into the space in in such a way. Um, all right, so next topic is somewhat uh, a bit more serious topic. Um, it's Terry Crews and uh, his bravery. So he, this was not, it, it wasn't somewhat recent, I guess. It was about a month ago that um terry cruz had made mention so there are actually two instances from my knowledge that uh initially he made like he just mentioned the um the sexual assault or the uh the the altercation that took place um and then but he he was very vague about the details or whatnot you know and then going forward i think a week or two weeks later he gave specifics and um and named who the person was so let's see um in october amid mounting allegations against film producer harvey weinstein Cruz alleged that in 2016 at a Hollywood function, a quote-unquote high-level Hollywood executive had groped my privates. Um, and I believe that was the first mention that he made. He mentioned, uh, jumping back, I said, what are you doing? My wife saw everything and we looked at him like he was crazy. He just grinned like a jerk, alleged Cruz. Um, and then added, okay, yeah, so this is all over Twitter. He added in another tweet. I was going to kick his ass right then, but I thought twice about the whole thing, about how the whole thing would appear. And this was fascinating because this is essentially what I wanted to touch on, because uh, with Terry Crews being not only a male, but being, you know, like damn near a bodybuilder. Right. And uh, just 240 pounds, uh, you know, and, and just manly as fuck you would never think that this would affect, you know, someone like him. And so for him to, for this to happen to him and then him be brave enough to come forward and say this shit, uh, you know, just worrying about, you, you would figure, you would worry about how just in your head, you would worry that it's demasculating or, you know, people wouldn't believe you. Um, and I just wanted to bring, awareness to how brave it, it truly is because i think when it was on the fighter and the kid um another podcast a mma comedy podcast um that brandon schaub and brian callen do i listen to that uh frequently but they made mention of this story what close to a month a month two months ago um no probably a little over a month ago but um when they were making mention of it, they, they were brief about it. And Brian was kind of shrugging it off. Like, come on, who, you know, where, where does it end type of, you know, kind of being very dismissive about it. And I understand how you could be dismissive in saying like, oh, how likely is that to happen? But you have to consider everyone that, that they're not just saying shit to say shit. And regardless, male or female, uh, the shit takes an immense amount of bravery. So um, with that being said, I praise Terry Crews. And I think it's beautiful that he came forward. And I believe he's done interviews since or gone more in depth on the allegations uh, against the piece of shit. And, and it's fascinating to think just how, just how power hungry 
or I guess power drunk that these, you know, top executives in America's entertainment, I guess, uh, just how power drunk they get just thinking that it's essentially a whole different world to them, right? Like a whole different rules apply or rather laws and, and rules don't apply to them, you know, because that's what's fascinating. I think with our justice system, uh, it's, it's a glaring flaw, really, that the richer you get, the more you can bend the law to your whim, right? I mean, we see it all the time. And um, I don't know, I hope tides are changing with all of all of these allegations. And uh, just everything will be m- much more transparent. Um, Because I know it can seem redundant. I know it can seem like these allegations are coming out every day. And they are. But that's what's beautiful. So although it can be easy to get dismissive about someone's allegations, just uh, take a second to realize how how much bravery it takes for this person to come forward. Even in this climate where so many people are coming forward, um, it still takes immense bravery. And I commend Terry Crews and just wanted to take a moment and, and, you know, uh, cover it as a topic and give him praise, uh, because I, I think that's amazing, he's like a modern day superhero, you know, like that shit is nothing short, uh, nothing short of amazing, so, uh, praise to you, Terry Crews, I think that shit is dope, um, all right, now next, I wanted to get into some thoughts that I've had really I think ever since the Nicki Minaj paper cover, you know, when I was really analyzing that and when it first came out, (laughs) analyzing that, looking at that ass, um, (laughs) but when I was first looking at the paper cover and just kind of thinking on, you know, obviously I came to the conclusion that I feel like it's, it's just somewhat desperate, um, and, and a, a, a easy publicity stunt, I guess, for Nicki. But then again, I mean, if you have the body, why not, you know, use it as a marketing tool, I guess. And I think Eve's claims are bullshit against that. You know, Eve made mention that she just didn't think it was classy. And uh, Nikki needs to consider that she's a a idol to young girls. But Eve was the one wearing fucking, you know, having her titties out and shit. And I believe that was at an award show. And uh, And I think it's more so maybe based in jealousy, but also, you know, Eve made mention of, like, her arguing point was that the optics, you know, Nikki, like, you're, you know, she was essentially telling Nicki Minaj, you are not a, you know, you're not unknown, you're an icon and an idol to a lot of these young girls, so every action and every image of you that circulated is, is somewhat of a representation to them of who they want to be if they want to be you, right? Um, so she made mention of this, just saying how much of an influence Nikki is on younger children, or younger girls, rather. And um, and I just find it fascinating because this was on, on a magazine's cover, you know, and a magazine that I don't think I've ever seen in person, mind you. I don't think I've ever seen it at the store or whatever the fuck. I've never seen paper. You know, that's that's the title of the magazine. But um, I, I found it fascinating that she that's one of her arguing points. When, like I said, I believe one of her, you know, sexiest moments, I guess, or most revealing outfits was this, you know, the, I think she had like paw prints covering her titties and our, our nipples, you know, to be specific, um, and I think that was on an award show, so it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, that is definitely, I, I get, okay, so this is a magazine, it's a publication that is supposed to be, you know, it, provocative, um, in, in the vein of a Maxim or Playboy type magazine, right, um, and you're complaining about optics, and just her influence over young girls, what the fuck, you were at an award show, bitch, like, I don't know, it's just, and that's not even the topic, but, um, I wanted to briefly touch on that, because I, I thought it was insanely, um, contradictory, and, uh, and, and it was more so likely based in jealousy, um, but this is more so on the body type, 
So when looking at that paper magazine, it just obviously Nikki's fine as fuck, right? Nicki Minaj, right? But um, it's fascinating how disproportionate, like how unreal her proportions are, right? With her hips and shit and such a small waist. Um, and so that kind of sparked me to continue thinking of, you know, just, I just got to thinking, I was like, she's not the only one. It's also obviously Kim. Um, it's also, uh, Amber Rose. It's also Black China. And it's also, of course, Kylie. Um, and though that's just to name a few, but what they all have in common is these kind of insanely proportioned features. And obviously I'm, you know, I'm talking about the hips, the ass, like that shape. It's like an hourglass, like a literal fucking hourglass. And, um, and it's just fascinating to, to realize that, to like appreciate that, like we do, or like to admire Nikki, like I did on that cover, um, you have to somewhat suspend your belief, I found, personally, because it's like, we know, and, and that's the thing, maybe we don't know, I don't know if it's a commonly spoken about thing, or it's just a given that these women have had surgery, and it's like, yeah, whatever, like, we, we know that they've had surgery, or I don't, I don't fucking know, I mean, it seems like, you know, it's just understood, I guess, um, and I just think, I think we as America have some sort of, uh, obsession with this, I guess you could call it body dysmorphia, and that sounds extreme, but really when you think about it, I mean, it's, it's like we know that this is fake, you know, we know what, and, and by no means do I know if all of these girls have had surgeries or whatever, this is a broad, you know, just a, just a random thought, really, um, but I'm not backpedaling on that, I really do think we have a, a obsession, and it's unhealthy in that it, I feel like it's going to slowly, or not even slowly, over the next 10, 20 years, become the norm i mean kylie's proving that the model works right she's she's becoming a mogul at what is she like 20 25 um clearly there's a return on investment and uh i mean if you're looking at it from a business aspect you know so it's it seems like it's smart and it seems like it, it obviously if that's what you want to do that's your body that's your prerogative um but it, it's just it's fascinating because Kylie's a perfect example. I mean, she's like, she's like a benchmark for where science is currently, right? <laughs> or like where, um, where fucking plastic surgery is. Like, she's a benchmark of like what is achievable. Um, and mind you, again, I don't knock Kylie. I applaud her for clearly becoming a mogul and doing doing her goddamn thing, you know, no one would have thought that Kylie would have been the one to really just, uh, set herself, or, or just, just, uh, explode out of the Kardashian clan, you know, and kind of form her own brand, and become a pop culture figure at such a young age, you know, she was always just that younger sister on the Kardashians, like, that was rarely seen, right, um, but yeah, it's so obvious when you go back and look at old pictures of her, it's essentially, you know, it's a meme now, right? Like the old Kylie is, is like a shell of who the current Kylie is, at least body wise and figure wise. And it's just, I don't know. It's fascinating in concept because, uh, we reward it. We love it. I mean, we can't get enough of Kylie, whether it be all of the fucking millions of likes that she gets on any given Instagram post, you know, tens of thousands of comments, I mean, obviously, Kim being a mogul in her own right, um, Amber proving to be quite the businesswoman, uh, China, 
you know, forming a, becoming popular in, in not social media, but, um, just in the media in general, and now she's somewhat of a household name, um, I don't know, clearly the model works, but I just thought it was food for thought, you know, you guys let me know, is that a given that Nikki and Kim, I mean, like, some of the photos of Kim in this Yeezy Season 6 clothing, I mean, it's goddamn insane, man, like, when you see her ass, it's just like, what the, I mean, she looks amazing, obviously, like, but it's, it's like, you have to, yeah, suspend your belief, because that ass is fucking insane, bro, like, I don't know, uh, the proportions don't add up, and I guess it's just a given, like, you know, you guys let me know, is it a given that these women do have surgery, and it's, it's just kind of like, yeah, and, you know, um, but I don't want this to end on a negative note, and I, I was thinking about it, and I think there's also a, you know, positives to go along with, this is somewhat in the same vein, but it's also just with that body type that, you know, similar body types that women genuinely have, you know, where, where they do have large hips or, a, you know, a proportion, a disproportionately large bust or like big titties, right? Um, <laughs> trying to be proper here. Um, but, you know, there are like, and, and it's typically, uh, it, it was, I feel like it's previously in, you know, the past 50 years of American culture been shunned to have such a, I, I feel like they would have described these women's figures as provocative or too sexual, you know, to be in the public light. And, um, and we see people that still think that way to this day. Um, there was a newscaster who I believe this surfaced maybe about a month ago as well. Um, this anchor, Demetria Obelor, who, um, I mean, I think she's Cuban and African-American and, uh, either way, she's in, she has curves, I mean, this, this woman's body's fucking insane, right, um, and she has an amazing figure, so why the fuck can she not be, you know, why, why can't she show it off, um, and I say that because this woman, uh, Jan Shed, uh, for sure, fuck you, Jan, but Jan had the opinion, and I believe she posted it on Facebook, and it's since been removed, um, this is Jan's opinion on this newscaster, on Demetria. Um, she says, has anyone seen Channel 8's news morning traffic reporter? Her name is Demetria Obelar, and she's a size 16, 18 woman in a size 6 dress, and she looks ridiculous. I understand that when I watch Channel 8, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get biased reporting and political correctness but clearly they have taken complete leave of their senses i'm not going to watch channel 8 anymore um i think i speak for everyone when i say bye bitch um so it's clear that that opinion still exists and that's fucking insane man in 2017 damn near 2018 we still have people that i mean it was apparent to me when I first heard this story that Jan, Jan's, Jan's a jealous bitch. And, um, and she clearly either had a run in with maybe some curvy woman in her life, or maybe her husband left her for a curvy woman. Um, but it, it's fascinating because it's like, how the fuck can you have such a warped opinion? And, uh, in, in this day and age, um, but getting a little bit back to the topic, this story came out and it just, I think it's amazing that, uh, well, hold on, let me read you Demetria's response. So, uh, Jan's outrage, uh, went viral on Twitter and it was circulated quite a bit. Um, but then let me take this this uh, piece of the article. Okay, so 
The 26-year-old traffic anchor recently posted a video on her Facebook page responding to a reader who made comments about her weight and outfit. Um, after just a few weeks on the job, the Dallas-based anchor said after the comments went viral on Twitter, she was overwhelmed with love and support from strangers online, one of those being Chance the Rapper. Uh, that's insanely fucking dope. And um, that's where I'd heard of the story, was from the support. And uh, Demetria said, the controversy is coming from people who aren't too happy with the way that I look on television and saying, oh, her body is too big for that dress, she said in the video, adding to other comments ranged from her being too curvy or her hair was too, quote unquote, crazy. Uh, it's f fucking insane, man. Um, and a brief note on the YouTube or on the uh, Facebook video. I mean, Demetria, like, posed herself so fucking well and her she was just so well thought out in her comments it was beautiful if you guys didn't get to see her facebook video i recommend you check it out um but she also mentioned this is the way that i'm built this is the way i was born i'm not going anywhere so if you don't like it you have your opinions I mean, you know, perfectly balanced, and she wasn't going at Jan, even though it's, like, a given that Jan's a bitch, like, let's be honest, um, so good on you, Demetria, I mean, she's fucking so much class, man, uh, so I just wanted to make mention of, I feel like this is, this body type is becoming more and more acceptable and and more so rather than just a body type more and more women are able to feel comfortable in their own skin and confident and sexy in what they in their skin and in what they wear um and i think that's the fucking beautiful side of this that it's insane that this was at one point not preferred or not tolerated i guess if you will um but it's beautiful to see in this day and age that we are you know, distancing from this fucking insanely warped, disgusting, you know, uh, judgment on people and their body type and, you know, just shunning their body type or whatever. Um, so I think this was a clear example of that, of the progress that we've made. And um, just with all the love and support, that shows that the wide majority, at least of younger people in, in America, they really don't think that way and i think that's fucking awesome and so with women and this body type or just a range of body types any body type being more accepted and uh, applauded and um just able to be confident and sexy like with kim out here wearing such revealing shit and um i just think that's kind of a a bar measure of women being able to wear more of what they want and be sexy and confident um so i don't know maybe it's a stretch but uh i wanted to try and end this on a positive note um so shouts to you demetria you're fucking amazing um but i think that wraps up this episode guys you let me know your thoughts um on any of the topics i covered hit me up on social media just let me know what's up um, but that's it for this episode. You guys will be hearing more from me soon. Love you guys.